You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day for Tuesday. November 2nd. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for. You can follow me on Twitter, at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, which is the Twitter account for the show. If you see me pointing right now, that means you're watching the YouTube. That's right. We're even on YouTube. If you're not seeing me pointing... That means you're not watching the YouTube, and you should. It's really, really good. Uh, check that out at Locked On Padres for all my audio listeners. It is in the description of the podcast episode. Be sure to subscribe. And thanks again, as always, for making Locked On Padres your hashtag first listen every day, even if, uh, you know, today's was a little bit uh, delayed, a little bit delayed on my part. Uh, thank you, and remember that we are free and, free and available on all platforms. Uh, for today's episode, guys, we are talking gold glove and defense. Give me a little bit of gold glove and defense talk. I think it's really fun. I think it's really fun to talk about defense every now and then because it's a it's an area of the game that's not always as easy to to judge. No part of the game is easy to judge. Make no mistake about that. I don't care what stats you have um, or how many games you watch. It's it's a little difficult, but I speak especially so when it comes to defense because it's there's just I think it's the way the game is shot almost. Like the way you literally watch it on TV, you don't always recognize when someone isn't necessarily a great defensive player unless they like make errors and errors aren't the only way to judge defensive prowess. And Fernando Tatis Jr. is a great example of that. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that, how Manny Machado is a gold glove finalist, which is awesome uh, over at third base and talking about a Padre that I think should have maybe been in the conversation for a gold glove. And I have imagined all my fire faithful homies know who I'm talking about. And then at the end of the episode, we are talking about, of course, another Another prompt that I put on Twitter, which is why you should follow at LO underscore Padres, about who is a player that you would like the Padres to trade for, respond to your guys' uh, responses. Uh, so not a big, chunky episode as much as the Thursday and Friday episodes were, um, for sure, with uh, Bob Belvid, which thank you guys, by the way. We officially reached over 100 subscribers on YouTube. We're at 115 right now. Keep racking them up and stuff. Maybe I killed them yesterday with my episode on the Braves chant. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, for now, we're, I feel like we're vibing. So let's get into it, guys. Gold Glove stuff, and we'll talk more about future stuff on the show when we get to the end. So they were announced recently, and I think I'm just going to run through very quickly uh, American League and just talk about one thing in particular. American League. Pitchers, Zach Granke, Jose Barrios, Puerto Rican power, Dallas Keuchel, catcher, Martin Maldonado, Sean Murphy, Salvador Perez. We'll get back to him in one second. First base, Yul Gurriel, Matt Olson, Jared Walsh. Second base, David Fletcher, Whit Merrifield, who's a guy that was attached to the Padres for a while, actually. And I actually thought that he'd be a good guy to, to potentially trade for. Although I will tell you, this year's team, I did not say that they should. No, wait, did I? Didn't I? Ooh, yeah, nobody go look up my trade targets article from Just Baseball. I may or may not have said we should trade for him. But anyway, uh, and Marcus Simeon. Third base, Matt Chapman, Jose Ramirez, and Joey Wendell. Shortstop, Carlos Correa, more Puerto Rican power. J.P. Crawford and Andleton Simmons. Left field, Randy Rosarina, Andrew Benintendi, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Center field, Kevin Kiermaier, Miles Straw from the Indians, and then Michael A. Taylor from the Royals. Right field, Hunter Renfro, Kyle Tucker, and the much maligned lately, Joey Gala out of New York. Um, before we get into some National League stuff in Manny Machado, the thing I want to bring up and the reason I mentioned all those nominees, just because if you guys want to be caught up on some good players and um, 
that are kind of making headlines when it comes to the gold glove stuff is Salvador Perez was nominated. And I don't think Salvador Perez was awful. I think that there's some ways that you could say that maybe some of the stats are a little bit misleading. You you could argue that. But basically, Perez, he's a five-time gold glove winner. He most recently won in 2018. Um, and Perez was one behind him in terms of uh, running, uh, throwing out runners this year. Um, he, he threw out 18 runners and a league-leading 44% caught stealing percentage, uh, which is solid. But then when you look kind of as above average, you got some of the other sets. You look at ultimate zone, you look at called strike percentage and pitch framing and stuff like that. Salvador Perez is one of, among some of the worst in baseball. Now, now, I don't want to make it as blatant as Salvador Perez is a fraud and he's the worst defender in baseball because to a degree, I think maybe some of those things that should be taken into account with pitch framing and, you know, call strike percentages. It's not like the Royals had a shutdown pitching staff. So maybe it's possible that he kind of just like, you know, not to mention he played a lot of, he should be a DH, I think, at least uh, Salvador Perez is this stage of his career. Maybe it's possible that a little bit of that was impacted by the fact that the Royals didn't have all that much of a pitching staff, really. Uh, so th- 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 that's just me. But I think that those stats are a little bit much. Um, but I do think that it is a good sign to mention this, that oftentimes the Gold Glove Award can be a bit of a popular contest. Jeter, who had like one or two seasons when he was actually pretty solid defender. Under, but I don't know if how much that was inflated by maybe he missed some time, so therefore the sample size wasn't as much, which can impact defensive ratings for sure. Um, but I wonder, like, you know, it, it's, it can be a little bit of a popular contest sometimes, you know what I'm saying? I think that oftentimes players where at least he, they make some cool plays or they are just so good or popular uh, in terms of a batter that they can sometimes maybe vault their way a little bit forward if they're at least decent. Um, as a defender. And then sometimes you get ones like Salvador Perez, some like Jeter. I think there was, was Will Myers nominated one year? I could be wrong about that. Maybe he's rookie year. I, I'm probably wrong about that. But, uh, you know, there's guys that aren't that great that sometimes get nominated. And that's what happens, that this can be a little bit of a joke award, at least in my opinion. Um, I don't think that Salvador Perez being in here is the worst thing that I've ever seen among Gold Glove. I'm pretty sure I've seen worse. But I'm just saying, keep that in mind, uh, just in case you get a little bit upset uh, that certain Padres were left off the list. But Let's talk about now um, Manny Machado. And he is up there in contention for the National League Gold Glove for third base. And the other nominees are the other nominees are Nolan Arenado, as usual, and Ryan McMahon. So I did a little research for once. That's right, research on this year podcast. I went to some of the numbers, some of the basic numbers when it comes to defensive practice prowess it depends on what you look at a lot of people like to use the outs above average and then defensive runs saved some use ultimate zone rating some use you know ultimate zone rating per 150 innings defensive rating like from fan graphs and if you look at it the way i see it is i actually think all three of these guys are pretty like well off i think the biggest thing that is going for manny machado is the fact that he's always there the guy's just always there uh this year in terms of defensive runs saved he had six which was actually tied with Mr. Nolan Arenado uh, among those two um, that were finalists. And then Ryan McMahon actually had 12 defensive runs saved. And then if you want to go by outs above average, Ryan McMahon and Nolan Arenado very much pay- outpaced uh, Manny Machado this season. Let me just bring them up really quickly. I can't bring up all the tabs on my – if you guys are ever wondering why I look down at my phone, it's because, one, this is on video, so I'm recording in the moment, um, but also because I, I, I don't want to open up 8,000 tabs and have all of the, the quality of the actual stream go down. But anyway, uh, Ryan McMahon, in terms of outs above average, had 12 – uh, in total, 10 at third base and two at second base, which I think is an important thing to note here. And then 
Manny Machado in terms of outs above average as my phone, of course, freezes and now I have to reload. Okay, lovely. Love it when that happens. God <sighs> dang it. But I'm pretty sure that his outs above average was around two. And then Nolan Arenado, which is also I'm bad to not load. Nope, it did. Of course, Arenado is the one that loads. Uh, he had 10 over at third base. So it depends on what you want to look at. Now, I will say, Nolan Arenado, the big, biggest case for him, 533 attempts. That's a big deal. The big case against Ryan McMahon is that it was only 305 attempts over at third base, 470 in total if you count second base, which he had 165. Now, here's the thing. Is the gold glove for second base, third base? I don't really know. You could argue that he's primarily clearly a third baseman, Mr. Ryan McMahon, but does he deserve a little bit of an, a little bit, a little bit of a bump considering that that's his primary, but he could also play a little bit of second. I don't know. There's some debate on that. You could say, well, then he should just be playing second base. But I don't know, because then it depends on who you have at second base. And is it fair that we necessarily take away from a player if they played some good second base? Two outs above average is pretty solid. You know what I'm saying? So like Ryan McMahon, I think, is very deserving uh, in his own right. But I will say, if we just want to go traditional, if we just want Marinado to continue uh, his Hall of Fame defensive ability, he didn't have as good an offensive season as Manny Machado. But his defense stuff was very good, even if he made a decent amount of errors, especially early on in the season, I remember. But um, I think that he's deserving of it. I think Manny Machado is. I have no issue with any of these nominees. I would be mad if Manny Machado won. Longtime listeners of the pod, you know, my take oftentimes on awards, MVP, Silver Slugger, Cy Young, or whatever. If it goes to a guy, let's, uh, let me give you an example uh, for, for, for MVP. If someone has a 6.2 war and another player has a 6 war and the guy with the 6 war wins, I'm okay with that. If you want to start using things like, in the case of defense, more positional versatility or you want to use things like this guy had more moments, he was more of an exciting player, more of a breakout, more of a exceeded our expectations, that's fine. More of a big part to playoff success and that you were the entire team, like a Bryce Harper, for example, I'm fine with that. But if the discrepancy is like, you know, 15 war to 8, Sorry, man, you just got to go that way. Or in the case of Otani this year, you got to go with Shoei Otani because he's making history. I don't really care. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I sort of do it. In this case, I think they're both very deserving. I think Machado is great. I do have the consistency. There's no player that's played more games than him since 2015 or 2016 uh, in all of baseball, which is nuts. Got to love Machado's sigil of health. But I would say... Uh, I kind of feel a little right out of that being said, the Ryan McMahon winning would be fun just because it wouldn't be a popularity vote as usual. But again, Arenado is still very deserving. This isn't as much as usual, but you know, those are just my thoughts guys. Now, before we get into a little bit more fun of a, of a, of a thing about which Padre perhaps was robbed of a gold glove nominee guys. I got to talk to you about something, something very important, you know, Maybe it's you betting on, I don't know, maybe you're betting on, what is it? Who's going to win the gold glove stuff? Who's going to win MVP? Well, bottom line is, Bet Online has you covered. And they also have you covered when it comes to basketball. And basketball just started up, and they remain your number one spot. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Really cool stuff. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON when doing so to receive bonus. Of course, aside from MVP and gold glove odds, and whatever the heck at basketball they also got covered in football they got covered in the nhl boxing ufc all sorts of stuff with your favorite vegas casino games as well don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts Whew. 
man. I feel like I've been talking like 800 miles an hour for this episode, guys. Again, though, thanks for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Let's move on now to the rest of the Gold Glove stuff. And who was perhaps robbed? Who was robbed? Who could it have been, ladies and gentlemen? I think you guys know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jake Cronenworth of the San Diego Padres. Obviously, this is a Padres podcast. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, Who was a very, very good defender this year. Now, again, I just talked about how much I like to weigh, you know, you know, it's, is it wasn't that much of a discrepancy. But first, before we get into discrepancy and whatnot, let me tell you who the, the nominees were. First, let's let me actually just tell you the nominees for the professional league, since that's probably something everybody's familiar with. At pitcher, it, it was Zach Davies, former Padre, uh, Max Fried, and Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler, by the way, who I don't know you guys. Remember when the Phillies had that one week where they like swept the Mets and the Nationals and then everyone was talking about Zach Wheeler, Cy Young, and then that just – I don't even know how his season finished, to be honest with you. Like, I'm, can I check real quick? Let me just check real quick. LMB.com. He finished with a 2.78 ERA. Okay, he still finished strong. I don't – like, was it a crazy second half that he had? I'm trying to, like, see what happened. Um, splits. What happened with Zach Wheeler last year? Can I say – I can't find the splits. God forbid MLB actually shows me, um, you know, the first and second halves pretty easily. But anyway. Um, that's catcher or that's pitcher. Now catcher Yadier Molina, Puerto Rican power, JT Rio Muto and Jacob Stallings. Jacob Stallings, if you actually go by fan grab saves of any, uh, positional player, I'm pretty sure in all baseball this year, he was great. Um, yeah, Stallings is the only finalist in this group who has not won a gold glove award previously that according to MLB.com. But anyway, uh, first base, Freddie Freeman, then Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals, then Max Muncy of those pesky Dodgers. Second base, Ozzy Albies, Tommy Edmond, and Colton Wong. We'll get to them in a little bit. Third base, we already mentioned that with Machado, McMahon, and Nolan Arenado. And then shortstop, Brandon Crawford, more Puerto Rican power, and Francisco Lindor, and Kevin Newman of the Pirates. It was a little bit surprising, actually. Left field, Tyler O'Neill, elite player, uh, had an incredible you know, second half and definitely became one of the, the sigils for that Cardinals team for sure. David Peralta and A.J. Pollock of the Pesky Dodgers. Center field, Harrison Bader, Brian Reynolds, and Jackie Bradley Jr. And then right field, Mookie Betts, Adam Duvall, and Mike Yastrzemski. And that's it. And that's it. So I actually think, so some people might be wondering, Trent Grisham, look, forget the stats on Trent Grisham. I thought he was good this year. I'm not freaking that out. I, it didn't, it's, look, God forbid I go for some feel. Uh, type of things on this, but Trent Grisham didn't feel as much of a gold glove as he did last year, at least in my opinion. Like I said, he has issues with his catching ability that I think needs to be, even though he was a very solid defender. But anyway, so second base, Jake Cronworth, should he have been a nominee instead of Ozzie Albies, Tommy Edmund, or Colton Wong? I think that there's an interesting case. Okay, so first, let's bring up some numbers. Ozzie Albies, if you want to go by outs above average, finished with one this year, which is solid. That's fine. Then, if you want to go by outs above average again for Tommy Edmond, he finished with 13 this season. He's very good. He's not a good batter. He gets, like, singles for days and maybe a walk once in a million years, but uh, that's it. And then, lastly, Colton Wong, he finished with zero outs above average, a total of one if you take into account that he also played shortstop, second base, and first base. And now, you might be wondering, what about Jake Cronenworth, who I'm wondering the same thing. Where did I put him? Did I lose him? What is going on here? Let me just check. Yeah, I probably lost him on baseball reference. God dang it. Um, But while I pull that up, here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
I think that um oh there it is it's, it's up uh second base in total uh Jay Corinth in terms of outs above average had one this year now let's bring up defensive run saves really quickly before I give my analysis defensive run saved this year Jay Cronworth had five Colton Wong had six Ozzy Albies had one um if you want to count Ryan McMahon he had nine I know again but it was a smaller sample size and then you have Tommy Edmond who had four so that's why defensive run saves can be a little bit weird because, as you see, Ryan McMahon had nine, which outpaced everybody, but not in nearly as many innings. He only had 368 um, innings and whatnot. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think that, first of all, Colton Wong, one of the more underrated players in baseball, you know what you're getting from him every year for sure. I mean, he's a really good player. I love that guy. I just think that he's always – just on your team. He's going to have a decent walk rate. He's going to play a good glove. And he tends to get home runs when you need them the most. That's what I've noticed, at least. Maybe that's just influenced by the fact that he was on the Cardinals and it feels like every single player on the Cardinals team might not be that good necessary for fantasy, but they will have those guys that like hit home runs when you actually need them, you know, and they play excellent defense, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Colton Wong didn't play as much this year, which I think is a little bit of a complaint. I have 324 attempts over at second base this year. He did not play a lot of games this year. That would be my critique of Colton Wong. Very good player. Sometimes I would even argue better. You look at the defensive run saves, all that stuff, then Jake Cronenworth. But I would say he didn't play as much this year. Then you had, uh, then you have Ozzie Albies, who definitely did play a bunch uh, and had 517 attempts, if you want to be curious, over at second base and then finished with one defensive run saved. Outs above average was also... Um, yeah, yeah, outs above average was one. Last year, he actually had three um, outs above averages. But again, that was 2020 truncated season. So then you look at that. But then you look at Tommy Edmond. And I'm just looking at Tommy Edmond right now. Six defensive runs saved. And then if you want to go by, um, what's it called? If you want to go by outs above average, he had 13 in 412 attempts. Not as much as, um, what's his face, uh, Ozzy Albies. And then you want to look at Cronenworth. He had, let me see here, second base, he had 297 attempts. So it's it's really tough. So the argument that you can make for why Jay Cronenworth deserves some praise is that he played so many positions. He played second base, he played shortstop, and he played first base for this team. A considerable amount, by the way, especially considering that Eric Hosmer, if there wasn't weirdness and the fact that they had to play him because of his contract and what have you, that Jay Cronenworth would probably be played first base, if we're being perfectly honest right now. Like, he probably would be. So I think that that should be taken into account. I think the only one out of these that should be potentially taken out would be Colton Wong because he didn't play as much uh, in totality over the season, which may add some of stat. Um, he was in and out of the lineup constantly. But Cronenworth, again, I know this is for second base, and I just that's one thing I don't necessarily like about the Gold Glove Award is what if somebody is really solid at multiple positions instead of just really great at one position? I think that maybe accounts a little bit more for the former, at least in my opinion. So I think that you can make that argument, but you cannot make the argument over Tommy Edmund. He was tremendous. Again, I know that the attempts weren't necessarily uh, – as high or were they? Hold on. I'm getting them mixed up. 400. No, he had 412 attempts at second base and 13 outs above average, which by far uh, outpaced everybody. So I think this has to go to Tommy Edmond. I know that he's not as good of a player. That's not what this is about. This is not about who's the best amongst these guys. Ozzy Albies is better than Tommy Edmond because he can actually hit and he's have a much higher ceiling. And Jake Cronenworth, multiple positional value. And the fact that he has a little bit of pop in his bat while Tommy Edmond absolutely does not. I also think Colton Wong is better than Tommy Edmond. But just in terms of the defensive push, 
I think it was the time Edmonds. So would Jake Cronworth rob? No, not at all. He wasn't robbed. But you could make an argument that he could maybe be in there, at least in my opinion, over Colton Wong, considering that Colton Wong didn't have nearly as many attempts and only played second base, was in and out of the lineup. Don't want to say over Albies, even though maybe because offensive runs saved, you could argue, you know, the fact that he was he had five as opposed to Ozzy Albies only having one. You could make that argument. But again, in terms of how many innings, in terms of the overall defensive stuff, maybe you could bring up ultimate zone rating and say, you know, Tommy Edmond had two point. He had a 1.2, and then, you know, Jake Cronenworth had a 4.5. You could bring that stuff up, but I think it goes to Tommy Edmond, and I don't think this is that much of a highway robbery as I initially thought as I initially thought when I first heard the Gold Glove announcements. Jake Cronenworth is still an incredible defender, um, and so is Tommy Edmond, and so are some of these other guys. I just think that defense is a little bit tricky to judge sometimes. And again, ultimate zone rating, that's just a little bit too much for me. It's very good, I know, but I'm just saying, you know, how much is it possible that Jake Cronenworth in the few attempts, you know, if you want to go by attempts, you know, he played only a few times at shortstop. Does that have his little cumulative uh, outs above average at shortstop if we actually saw him play there more i if somebody played 10 games at shortstop and just had a really good stretch where they were catching everything they're outs above five and defensive rating would be through the roof and all that stuff so the amount of the versatility that's a double short of when you're judging versatility i feel like i'm using a whole lot of word salad right now by the way uh but bottom line is this guys i don't think jay Cronenworth was was robbed i think tommy edmund does deserve this award he's a really really good defender really really good defender albies and um Colt and why I got love for them too. Maybe Cronenworth above them. But again, this is where it's open to interpretation. Um, but with that all being said, guys, now, um, actually, I don't have to do a break. Actually, I don't have to. Wow, how about that? Let's get right into the last topic of the show. And then I could get this damn episode out. And hopefully you guys have been uh, waiting too long for it. So I asked on Twitter yesterday uh, via the Lockdown Padres account saying... Let me just get it. Padres fans, what are some trades you'd love to see the team make, if any, this offseason? And three of you replied, so I'm going to read those replies. Skyline619 at Robbie619SD. He responded, and I'm pretty sure he responded to the last uh, inquiry that I had last time. He said, Matt Olson and Chris Bassett. So, okay, my thoughts on that is we're pipe dreaming here. You know what I mean? But let's let's talk about it. So a potential trade, which I might be actually bringing on Jason Burke, who I talked with on Friday about the um, – the Bob Melvin hiring bring him back because this team must be in all cell mode. So I'm going to probably bring him back on the podcast to talk about potential offers for him. But I imagine what would happen here is you'd have to send in Hosmer and you'd have to send in CJ Abrams, a collection of other people. Matt Olson is among some of the best in baseball at first base. He was a borderline MVP guy, secretly stats that were somewhat comparable, at least somewhat to Vlad Guerrero Jr. So, you know, that has to be brought up. And also, I don't know exactly what Matt Olson's kind of, situation is let me actually look up what it is depending on how many years he has left before arbitration and all that stuff starts kicking in would determine just how much it would cost for him to be traded to any team as a matter of fact it says he enters he's an unrestricted free agent after uh or after the 2023 season after the 2023 season so yeah that means gonna cost a hefty hefty chunk now, of course, thing I always say on this podcast, never underestimate teams to just trade guys. You know what I mean? Even if they don't necessarily get all the value. And now my, my camera is falling right now. Apologies for that, guys. Um, never underestimate that teams 
aren't necessarily going to get back max value. Go ask the Rockies about what they got for Nolan Arenado, for example, right? So uh, keep that in mind um, when viewing this. And Chris Bassett is coming off of an injury. Bassett could be a sneaky one, considering that, again, he's coming off an injury. He was a very good pitcher for Oakland. And since they might be selling, I like that. I like your thoughts, uh, Mr. Skyline619, in terms of going after Oakland players, I think could be uh, could pay dividends. I, I really do. I think that even a Matt Chapman, if they really are going to blow it up, Matt Chapman's worth a flyer. That's one of the best gloves in all the game. I mentioned him as being a, uh, a, a finalist for gold glove in the American League. And I think that his offense has to at least get a little bit better. He was an MVP contender a few years ago. Two years in a row, he's top 10 in MVP owning. So I actually think that that should be a guy that teams target. Of course, we don't need him as the Padres. We do not need Matt Chapman, obviously. We have Mr. Manny over playing third base. But that's what I think. I think that um, Matt Olson, Chris Bassett, Matt Olson seems very, very unattainable. The Padres could do it, but I just don't see AJ probably giving up that much. I would have to see how they get rid of Haas. Because if you're going to get rid of Hosmer, and stick him with Oakland, if that's what we're talking about here, how is Oakland going to do that? Oakland next just cut salary. So you're not going to be able to send him there. You'd have to send Hosmer to another team first and then make the trade for for uh, Matt Olson. That's what you'd have to do. And amount of assets you'd have to give up to do that just doesn't seem overly realistic. You'd have to give up prospects to get rid of Hosmer. I just I just think that there might be a few other better ways to go about that. Moving on now to the next response I got, El Cid, I think is how you say it, E-L and then the space, the C-I-D, at Padres Knight on Twitter, which is an incredible username. Thank you, sir. Love that so much. Brian Reynolds from Pittsburgh, please. <laughs> Brian Reynolds is one of the other kind of secretly good players. Just so, think about the Pirates. The Pirates were very bad this year. Pittsburgh Pirates, but they weren't like totally unwatchable. You had Adam Frazier, who was an all-star. You had guys like Jake Stallings, who were really good defensive players. You know what I mean? And then you had Brian Reynolds, who this year, at age 26, by the way, so it's not like this is totally like inconceivable, but you look at his career stats, he didn't really play a lot of games. He played 134 games his rookie season, wasn't that great. Um, actually, he was pretty great. His first season, he hit 314 with a 377 on base. The year that he wasn't great was Last year, which he played 55 games, hit 270, nope, 275 on base, a 189 average. This year, uh, slash line of 302, 395, 22, with 24 bombs, eight triples over the course of 159 games. A lot of games played. He's young. He's young. Brian Reynolds, also a pretty capable glove, which is very good. And he plays left field. Huh. Very interesting, isn't it? Guys, I would love for it the Padres should trade for Brian Reynolds. I actually think that he's either very good. Now, it's possible that he's overperformed. Yes. However, unlike Adam Frazier, there was more of a sample size of being like, Adam Frazier never done anything like this before. You know what I'm saying? Adam Frazier had never done anything like that. It's not like his heart rate went up. It's not like his barrel percentage went up. It's not like his walk rate or anything like that. He was just hitting really well. His BABIP was really high. So you could argue that guy was just having a really phenomenal first half. Then you look at someone like Brian Reynolds. Maybe this is the breakout. Maybe this is a guy that this was the year that he was finally looking for it. I think that Pittsburgh wouldn't ask for that much from him. I don't really know. I might have to talk to Ethan Smith of Lockdown Pirates uh, about that. No, we cannot dump Eric Hosmer. 
Rob Dub for the first person who asks. Um, I don't think that they could do that, but I love the thinking. I love the thinking. He's a very good player um, in terms of all of his stats. I mean, if you just look at a stack ass page up there and weighted on base, up there in exit velo, X batting average, slugging, walk percentage. The biggest thing for me is the slugging. We need more power bats in this lineup. I do not trust Eric Hosmer and Will Myers to be able to do what they did in the truncated 2020 season. They need power and they need someone who, I said this on the uh, an episode the other day, you don't necessarily need someone who's going to be an elite defender, but I need something solid. I need something that's not a negative because then you have multiple negative defenders in your outfield uh, that aren't necessarily that much offensively. For example, this isn't Nick Castellanos. You know, Nick Castellanos can do a lot for you offensively to make up for the fact that he is a good batter, but Tommy Pham and Will Myers aren't necessarily doing that. So I need at least an average defender. And again, about in terms of outs above average, center field this year, uh, what's his face? Uh, Brian Reynolds had 10 outs above average, and that was over the course of 392 attempts. And then he also played a little bit of left field this year, uh, 36 attempts only. Uh, and zero outs above average, which is just kind of fine. Again, he didn't play that much there, but it does show that you could definitely move him there if need be, or heck, maybe move him to center field, move Grisham to left. It allows a little bit of a question there. I love a trade for Brian Reynolds, and maybe it's possible that because the Padres and Pirates already made one with Adam Frazier, we've seen them kind of repeat trades. They made a couple trades with the Rays. Maybe this means there's a little bit of a working relationship there. The Pirates are trying to rebuild. I wouldn't mind giving up someone like Robert Hassel for Brian Reynolds. I think that's a worthy risk. It would give an outfield prospect back to Pittsburgh. Maybe send a bunch of other stuff. Maybe you send a, I don't know. Maybe they even take Will Myers off your hands. I don't know. But bottom line is I actually like that trade. I don't think it's that inconceivable. Matt Olson, I really do think he is. Um, but thank you for the response, Mr. L. Sid. And then the last response comes from Joshua D. Landis, at Joshua D. Landis on Twitter. He says, love the big names, but realistically need to revamp the bullpen and pick up another starting pitcher. I know we are anticipating Clev and Lament to be healthy, but we hate to run into another three-man rotation and depleted bullpen again, pending we aren't planning on calling up Gore, I suppose. It's a great point. Mm. I think for the most part, Padres shouldn't necessarily be aiming and looking at big names. I've said this on the show before, until you get rid of Eric Hosmer, which I think is a very uh, possibly unlikely outcome, I don't think that signing another guy to a big deal and going for big names is the way to go. Because then you really trap your team and make flexibility not nearly as mold. You're not as malleable. You can't move around as much. So if those guys don't hit, then you're in trouble. 31 players for nine players that they did last offseason. This is what happened when those nine players all don't hit or at least aren't all, you know, solid. You know what I'm saying? Then you have an issue where you just have, don't have any depth. You want to have depth. Not necessarily. Let me repeat this. It's good to have prospects in your farm system. One, if you're rebuilding, of course, and maybe they could be the next great thing. But also it's good to have the assets to move your team in whatever direction starts to, you know, arise. For example, nobody and their mom thought, oh, the Padres are going to need some starting pitching help. You know what I mean? So imagine if they had traded Mackenzie Gore or if they, you know, whatever happens. And then you're like, oh, my God, we actually didn't need more offense. We needed more pitching. You know, it turns out that our pitching was a little bit of a mess. You need to have the ability to adjust on the fly, depending on what kind of outcomes happen in the season if players don't go the way that you wanted them to. So that's my thing is don't look at it as they're just keeping guys for the future that we don't know what they're going to be. They're unknown outcomes and all that stuff. That's not the only reason that the players is that they think that they're going to be studs when they get called to the team. I think there's a couple of them that they don't want to trade, like a Luis Campizano, like a um, CJ Abrams, but in general, guys, keep that in mind for when teams talk prospects. And admittedly, I understand that the prospect fetishization gets a little bit over the top when people don't realize, hey, maybe CJ Abrams is just Colton Wong. 
Very good, by the way. That would be awesome. I'd love if C.J. Abrams was Colton Wong. But it's when you see a top prospect, you immediately think, is this guy a superstar? No, man. Not everybody's Wanda Franco. Not everybody's Bryce Harper and Chris Bryant. That's most of the time not how it's going to shake up. So that's what I keep in mind. But I do agree with you, Joshua. I think the Padres, absent like that Brian Reynolds, man, Brian Reynolds would be such a great fit for this team. A decent amount of pop, great glove, can play left field and center field. It'd be really good, man. It'd be really, really good. But I just don't know. It just feels like at 26, it's not like he's entering a contract year. I feel like that might be the piece that they try to build around. Obviously, Key Brian Hayes is the most untradeable person on the Pirates, but I feel like they might try and make those two their core. So it's a little bit unfeasible. Again, again, is it possible? Yes, but I feel like you'd have to give up uh, a decent chunk of change for that to happen. And since the Pirates are in rebuild right now, um, and it's not like they have a lot of money tied up, I just think they're going to try and rebuild around those guys. I love Brian Reynolds, but I don't know if that's the route that they can go. And again, I love the big names, but maybe, I've said this before, maybe an Anthony Disclafani. Go get him from San Francisco. He's a free agent, a solid player that probably isn't going to require that much of an investment. And if it turns out that Paddock and Clevenger and maybe Denelson Lamette can get healthy, and then Darvish and Snell, they bounce back. And I think more for the latter, by the way. I think Blake Snell is going to have a good year next year. Um, then it's like, all right, well, we just have Disclafani. It's okay. I'd rather be shirt up there and then maybe do a little bit of improvement on the offense, hope for those prospects to break out. There's a lot that went wrong for the Padres this year, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to overhaul and go nuts and spend even more and trade even more this time. You got to be a little bit wary. And if it turns out that maybe we should, then we could do it at the trade deadline. You know how AJ Preller is. If we're awesome next year and all these guys get called up and have big bounce back seasons, then we can trade the assets for great players. But let's see what happens first. At least that's just my opinion. Um, but anyway, guys, that's basically it for today's discussion. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I enjoyed talking about this one and diving really deep into Nerf. We're going to be talking more about Padres awards stuff tomorrow's podcast, probably. We're going to be talking with um, myself. Sorry. We're going to be talking to myself uh, about Silver Slugger Award, Fernando Tatis Jr., talking a little bit of MVP talk, maybe answering more of your guys' questions. Feel free to send them in the comments below or to me on Twitter at Javapeno at LO underscore Padres. And we're also going to be talking with Jeff Ellis of Lockdown Indians. That podcast is probably going to go up either Thursday or Friday. I don't know which day in particular yet. Uh, preferably Friday because it helps me since I'm going to be traveling to the city probably. Uh, I live in New Jersey, so I'm referring to New York City. Um, so I prefer to put that on Friday, but it depends on what happens and what shakes up. Uh, so that'll be the future of this podcast. And Jeff Ellis, we're going to be talking about Ruben Niebla and how the Indians are really sad to see him go to the Padres. Not necessarily the Padres in particular, but they're sad to see him go. So we'll be talking about that, guys. And yeah, it's basically it. Basically it. And of course, if the Braves win the World Series, then I got to talk about that. I mean, come on. It's huge. The World Series game. We're in the World Series. I'm actually excited. Actually, am I the only one who thinks? Like, I still think Atlanta's going to win, but like. You have to be nervous, right? Atlanta sports, man. It just usually doesn't go their way. But anyway, guys, thanks for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Lockdown MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, but please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available on all platforms. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe on whatever platforms were available on all platforms. Also, check out Spotify Greenroom tonight. I'm doing my last ever thing during the game, my last ever chat on that app, and then might be doing Twitter spaces over the offseason. I don't know, but definitely download the app. Follow me on there, Javier Reyes, J-A-V-I-E-R-R-E-Y-E-S. And, of course, on Twitter again, at L-O underscore, blah, 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 blah. And 
Until next time, stay safe and of course, stay faithful. Try faith, homies. Take care.